You know what their job is? It's to usher us into the throne room of God. I think they just did that. Excellent. Excellent. In fact, I've got a new name for them. It's the Cornerstone Band and the Celtic Women. That was really good. I like that harmony. Whoo! Goosebumps. All right, well, good morning again. I can say good morning to those of you that showed up late. I already said that at the beginning of the service. So. But, you know, we have the people that come in, you know, five minutes late, and some 10 minutes late, some 15 or 20 minutes late. Then we have the late ones. Okay. <laughs> We've been looking at the book of Jeremiah, one, one short passage, Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 11. Um, Jeremiah is a prophet. God talked to him and said, I want you to go down to the potter's house, and there I'm going to speak to you. So he goes down there, he sees the potter at the wheel, the potter is messing up, or the, the clay is messed up, and so he reshapes it into another pot. Uh, and that's, that's when God started speaking to Jeremiah. He said, ask him a rhetorical question, am I not like this potter? Are you not like the clay in this potter's hand? Can I not form you and mold you into what I want you to be? And then he, he paints two scenarios, opposites. He says, you know, if I plan on taking down a nation and they turn from their evil ways, I'll relent from what I had planned for them. And the other side is, if uh, I plan to bless a nation and they start doing evil right in my face and snub their nose at me and don't listen to me, well, I'll take away those blessings. Then he gets very uh, specific with Israel, and he says, you know, you guys have been doing the wrong things for many years, and I keep trying to talk to you, so I have evil planned for you. And then he has this huge but if, but if you turn I will not cause this destruction to happen. So that's what this, this story is all about. And today we're wrapping up the series. The series is called Shaping Things to Come. The series has been about uh, how we can take our future and uh, make it what it can be and how we can let God make it what it can be. The first two weeks, I really talked about perseverance, how you don't give up. Because as Yogi Bear would say, it ain't over until it's over. And you play until the very end because you never know how things can change. This is both an encouragement and it's also a warning. It's an encouragement because if your life is moving in the wrong direction, God will give you the grace to turn things around. It's a warning because we never have the luxury of thinking, I've arrived. I can coast the rest of the way. Remember the two examples I used last week. One was the football game, whereas in football, uh, at some point, a team can just take a knee, let the clock run out, ride out the victory. But it's not so in baseball. You have to play until the final out because no lead is safe and no loss is certain until the final inning goes in the book. 
That's the way it is in life. We are in a battle that will never end this side of heaven. We're in a race with no finish line this side of the grave. Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. And uh, he wrote a few letters, but the, the first one he wrote is, it, it happened what you might call in his mid-season of ministry. It, it was written halfway between when he was converted to Christianity and his execution. So here he is at the halfway point, and he said this about his ministry. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that is gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Paul was perhaps, arguably, the greatest Christ follower who ever lived. Yet he understood that even while his ministry was experiencing growth and expanding throughout the known world, he knew that even he had the potential to give up or mess up. It was only at the end of his life, as he awaited death in a Roman dungeon, in the final paragraphs he would ever compose, that's when he had the confidence to say, this is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish line, believed all the way. All that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. Paul would say, play until the very end. Because no lead is safe. He would say, be careful what you do. He'd also say, play until the very end because no loss is certain. No matter what your past looks like, God can redesign your future. Marlo Thomas is known for being an actress, a producer, a social activist. She also serves as the National Outreach Director for St. Jude's Children Research Hospital. Danny Thomas's girl. She once said this, and she went through a lot of bumps in life. She said, I've always been a big believer that it's never too late to reinvent yourself or to pick up the pieces and start over when life has thrown you a curveball. That's the message of Jeremiah 18. If you're still breathing, there's still time for you. Still time to turn things around. We are like clay on the potter's wheel. And just like that clay in Jeremiah's story, there are ways in which our lives have become marred. Things that have not gone as planned. There are times when we got out of God's will and made decisions that led to disaster where things we did just kind of took us into a tailspin. But in spite of all of that, it's not too late. There's a potter sitting at the wheel. He can take your mistakes and shape them into something beautiful, something good for his glory. You're like clay in the potter's wheel, and your life is being shaped by the hands of the potter, but there's a twist. 
there's a twist. You have a say in how shapeable you will allow yourself to be. There are things that you can do that will determine the shape of things to come in your life. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about a, a, a guy who was a potter on TV, and he invited someone to come up from the audience and be a guinea pig. Try it. This man comes out of the crowd, sits down in the chair. The wheel starts spinning. He puts his hand in, and he made a big mess. He didn't make a, a nice piece of pottery like this or like these pots down here. He made a glob. And as that glob got worse, something neat happened. That potter came around behind the guy, and he, he put his hands over the guy's hands, and, and together they molded this glob of clay into a piece of art. There's a sense in which you participate in the molding and the process of your life being transformed. You're not a helpless victim. You're not subject to the whim of circumstance. You're not even a puppet on the strings of God. You're a participant in his involvement in your life. I want to take a little sidebar here and do another little advertisement for what's coming up. We've got a series coming up in a couple of weeks that we're going to talk about the process by which we should be molded into God's image, into Jesus Christ's image. And uh, there's, there, there have been two different groups over months of time who have been praying and, and who have been uh, searching the scriptures and discussing things. And basically, we're just asking God, show us what we are supposed to do. What's the deal for Cornerstone? Just show us. And basically, he made it really clear that he wants to transform every individual person here and the church as a whole. Transformation. And what he also showed us is what this story in Jeremiah is saying. That we, in order to be transformed, we need to be clay. We need to put ourselves in the position, on the potter's wheel. We need to put ourselves in a place where the transformation can happen. If we keep falling off the wheel, nothing happens. At least nothing intentional happens. So, so that's the little advertisement. I know I'm driving you nuts. Like, what is it? What are you going to tell us, David? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. A couple of weeks. Be patient. But you need to know that this is a, a prelude to that. This whole series has been a prelude, getting us ready to hear what we're going to hear. Okay, so here's what I'm going to talk about today. Things we can do, really more like attitudes we can have to help our future be shaped by God. Jeremiah 18 gives us some attitudes we need to develop. The first one is this. We need to be teachable. Teachable. A teachable spirit. This is what the God said to Jeremiah, he said, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. Now, he could have given his message in any way, shape, or form. This is the way he chose. God sent Jeremiah to the potter's house so that Jeremiah would hear the word of God. In the same way, we need to be willing to go to that place where we can hear the word of God. 
Now, obviously, that would include church because we teach the Bible here. Bible studies, we teach the Bible. But think about where else it might be. There's a quote-unquote potter's house where you are most likely to hear the Word of God. Now, this is not so much a geographical place as it is a spiritual place, an attitude place. It's the place where you arrive according to the condition of your heart. The important thing is not that you just show up for church or that you sit still during the message. The important thing is that you come with a heart ready to hear the Word of God. I've learned something over the years. Maybe I should say I'm still learning something. It's been over years, and that is this. God speaks when I listen. God speaks when I listen. Doesn't matter who the preacher is or how good his talk is. Doesn't matter if it's a song, which singer. It doesn't matter if it's a a concert, a guest speaker. It doesn't matter. If I will listen, God will speak. Of course, I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings talking about every day of the week. Every day, it is essential that you go to that place, your spiritual potter's house, where you can hear the Word of God. This is why I believe one of the most important disciplines in the life of a Christian is that habit of spending time alone with God each day in prayer, in Bible study. It's a practice probably more than any other that has the power to change your life. When you have a teachable spirit, you not only learn from the Bible, you learn from everything that happens around you. Jeremiah went to the potter's house to watch a potter making a pot. Do you know how common that was in those days? I mean, if you weren't a shepherd or maybe three or four other things, you were a potter. People made pottery all over the place. But when Jeremiah saw it, something as common as that, he heard the voice of God. How common is church to you, a church service? How common is it? Oh, we're going to church today. Do you hear the voice of God? Do you even know that you should be listening for the voice of God when you come to church? It's not my voice. That's not very impressive anyway. (laughs) But God's voice is. Jeremiah was paying attention. So he heard God's voice. That's a teachable spirit. When you have a teachable uh, teachable spirit, you will discover that God talks all the time. God teaches us all the time. In the little events of life, in conversations, in circumstances, even at a baseball game. If you're willing to learn, God will give you plenty of learning opportunities. There's an old saying that goes like this. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. That's especially true in the Christian life. To make the most of your future, Stay teachable. No one would ever be so arrogant to say something like this. You know, I know everything there is to know about a particular subject. 
Nobody would say that, but there are many people who are foolish enough to say, you know, I know everything I need to know about this. I don't need to learn anymore. I know everything I need to know about raising children. I know everything I need to know about uh, running a business. I know everything I need to know about living a life of faith. It's sad to see people with that attitude. Because once you get off the road of continual growth, you get on the road to eventual failure. There's a, an old saying that I was reminded of. Um, if you've been in sales at all, you may have heard this. Uh, maybe any business, but a lot of companies have learned that it's better to hire people who are green at something. I don't mean in the environment. I mean not knowing much about it. They're green. They're like a little shoot, you know. Um, it's better to hire those people than it is to hire somebody that's got all this experience because you've got to untrain all that, some of that stuff so you can teach them the way you want them to do something. And the saying goes like this. If you're green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're starting to rot. <laughs> that can be very true. We need to stay teachable. We need to listen what God is saying to us, not only in the pages of Scripture, but in the pages of life. And this will help you make the most of your future. The second thing I want you to see is that we need to be adaptable. The pot that the potter was shaping was marred. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. It's fascinating to watch a potter at the wheel, how that lump of clay keeps changing and changing until eventually it becomes a piece of art. It happens because the clay is moldable. It's changeable. It's shapeable, pliable, adaptable. How many times have you heard someone say, in reference to another person's fault, that's just the way they are. They've been that way forever. You'll just have to accept it. You ever heard anybody say that? Have you ever said that about anyone else? Have you ever thought it about yourself? There was a new employee who tried to use this excuse once. After she had offended several people over the course of a few weeks, she said, you'll just have to get used to the way I do things. I'm a blurter. <laughs> I just blurt out whatever comes to mind. Someone else told her, I'm sorry, but we have a company policy against blurting. If you want to work here, you will have to get used to the way we do things. <laughs> Hmm. So you can't use a, this is the way I am, so love it or leave it attitude with anything in life that matters. It just doesn't work. You can't do that with God. You can't do it with success. You can't do it with your finances. You can't do it with your relationships if you want your relationships to thrive. If your attitude is, this is how I am, and I'm not changing, then just prepare yourself for a lot of good things to pass you by. It's been said that the seven last words of a dying church are, we never did it that way before. Seven last words of a dying church. This is because churches that refuse to change ultimately lose their influence in their community. Now, I'm not talking about changing the doctrine, changing the deity of Christ, I'm talking about changing 
and remolding the methods of ministry. In my years of church attendance, I've been through a few different movements, mainly the contemporary Christian rock music movement. That was a big deal. Boy, it it just caused all kinds of fights. Another one was the the, uh, casual, less formal dress movement. You know, it's not a fashion show to come to church. You can probably tell by the way I dress. It's, It's just movements that happen. And I went through a few of those. Those were probably the two biggest. And there were a couple of churches that had a real hard time moving toward this attempt to be more culturally relevant. In these churches, the leadership had to make a choice. Are we going to be the way we always were, do it the way we've always done it, or are we going to adapt to the opportunity around us? Not the message, the methods. Some churches resist change as long as they can, even while they continue to shrink. Some churches just close their doors. Some move to another location. But fortunately, some churches say, let's adapt. Let's figure out a way to reach the families that are in this community, in this area, even if it means stepping out of our comfort zone a little bit. When the potter is working at the wheel, have you noticed what he does? He continually pours water on his hands and on the clay to keep it soft and pliable. In the Bible, water is used for a number of things. It's it's a symbolic picture. Three of the things are this. Purification from sin. You know, they'd wash their hands a certain way before they ate. I don't mean just to get clean with soap. It was a ritual. Uh, Another thing was the presence of God. Water symbolized the presence of God. Water symbolizes the, the... outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the inpouring of the Holy Spirit. These three things are essential for maintaining a pliable heart. We need to be asking God constantly to cleanse us, to wash away our impurity, every stain, every self-destructive tendency. And just like that potter is continually pouring water on the clay in order to keep it pliable. We need to be continually in God's presence, continually seeking His Holy Spirit, allowing Him to fill us up so He can change what needs to be changed. Continually. You know why we pray for the Holy Spirit to continually fill us up? Because we leak. We, we don't contain all the Holy Spirit. We, we let him out all over the place. We need to be continually filled to overflowing. So when it does come out, it comes out for the benefit of other people. If you want to make the most of your future, you need to be adaptable. Allow this to happen in your life. Here's the third thing. We need to be accountable. We need to be accountable. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. It's clear in verse 11 that God was not very happy with the direction of Judah. 
He told them that nations that do evil will be destroyed. Nations that turn from evil will be spared. Judah continued to rebel against God. And so God sent this message. He called everyone to accountability. He wasn't just telling the leaders to straighten up. He was telling every individual citizen of Judah, turn from your evil ways. Have you ever noticed how we like to blame our nation's problems on a few leaders? Or if not the leaders, we blame our problems on the big corporation or the media outlet or this group of sinners or on and on and on it goes. Now maybe leaders and others are adding to the problems. Maybe they even cause some of the problems. But the point is, as long as we have someone to blame, we can avoid accepting responsibility for our role in the situation. It's not my fault. It's their fault. But God's message through Jeremiah was clear. I'm not just speaking to the king and the political movers and shakers. I'm speaking to everyone. I'm not one of those preachers who preach against the president as if he was personally having the power to change everything, get rid of all of our problems. I'm not the one who talks about America needs to do this, America needs to do that. I don't know if my complaint should be schools need to do that, churches need to do this, corporations need to do that, the government needs to do this. That kind of conversation accomplishes nothing. It's just talk. You can't decide what America or the president or big corporations are going to do. You can only decide what you are going to do. You can only decide uh, what you're going to be held accountable for. I can only do what I can do. I'm only responsible for my actions. If you want to make the most of your future, you must take responsibility for your part. Those who make the most of their future are those who say, if it is to be, it's up to me. Those people say, I'm not going to stand by, stand on the sidelines, complain. I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to do what I can. So what's our conclusion from this series of messages? Making your future what it can be comes down to a decision. It's a decision to get in the presence of God every day. It's a decision to listen, listen to his word every day. Seek his direction every day. Surrender to the Holy Spirit every day. Step up to the plate of responsibility every day. Yeah, it's a discipline, but we can get there. Jeremiah 18 can be interpreted as encouragement, go for it, or a warning, you better watch it. It can be interpreted as a promise, thank you, Lord, or a threat. <gasps> you would do that to me, God? You can interpret it all those ways. But what it really tells us is that what you do matters. What I do matters. And we will never get to the point where it doesn't matter. 
I hope that as you think about this series, you'll take a look at your life and allow God's Spirit to challenge you to respond to Jeremiah's words in a way that will bring God to the forefront of your life. The great news in this brief passage of Scripture is that it's never too late to become who you might have been. (laughs) There's still time. There's still time. So run to the potter's house. Find that place. Open your eyes and your ears and your heart so you can hear and see and understand. Take hold of your future, knowing that the potter will wrap his hands around yours and guide you every step of the way. I want to invite you again a possible potter's house for you this afternoon at 3 o'clock at Little Buffalo State Park. I don't even know how to get there. I hope somebody gets me there. (laughs) We're going to have a baptism service. You may need to bring your umbrella. Who cares? Okay? Bring water shoes so you don't get muddy. But there's going to be a bunch of people there who have taken the challenge to be shaped by God. They're going to get dunked in front of some witnesses. (laughs) But you know what that dunking means? You know what baptism literally means? It means burial. And it's it's not going to happen then. They're going to show witnesses and even themselves what has already happened inside of their heart. They asked Jesus Christ to come be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their lives. And they want to tell everybody in, in a ritual that we do in the church that they have been buried with Christ. Their sins are dead. The old person is dead and buried and then they're going to rise up out of the water. Resurrection. Raised with Christ Jesus. They have a new life now. And they want you to witness that. And you know what? That just may be your potter's house for today. You may hear something there. So I want to, if you can't come, no guilt trip, okay? If you can make it, come on out there, 3 o'clock, and let's let God speak to us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this great story in Jeremiah. You are so awesome at telling stories that have just unfathomable meaning. You get so deep with stories. We can read this story probably a year from now and it'll mean new fresh things even then. Thank you for the way you talk to us, God, in the Bible. Thank you for how you talk to us through other people. When we connect with other Christ followers and and hear things confirmed through them. Thank you, Lord, that, that you can speak through us as we share our faith with others. And God, as we, uh, go through this day and this week, would you just remind us over and over again that things are happening around us. Things are being said. You're talking. All that is being done so we can hear the word of God. We thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen.